0: Welcome to Horses for Future. Horse people can make a difference in the climate change crisis. Together, we're learning how. My name is Alexandra Kerland. I'm the author of The Click That Teaches, a step-by-step guide in pictures, and many other books and DVDs on clicker training. I'm joined by Manda Scott. Manda is an author, a veterinarian, a shamanic teacher, and a climate crisis activist. Manda and I recorded this conversation in December of 2019. It was the day after the general election that was held in the UK, in which Boris Johnson won a sizable majority. On the other side of the Atlantic, the impeachment hearings in the House were in full swing, so politics were very much on our mind. Before we started to record the day's podcast, Manda was sharing with me her frustration over the election results. She had spent the previous day out canvassing for votes in desperately poor neighborhoods. So she was both very tired and very depressed over the results. I began our conversation by asking Manda how she had become so politically active. That was the first stepping stone in our conversation. That's what we focused on in part one. In part two, we continued on, and our conversation led us to a discussion of habits. As I'm preparing this podcast for airing, the news is filled with so many grim reports. Australia is burning. Jakarta, Indonesia is drowning. Norway is sweltering in the heat. Climate change and the effect that it's having on the planet is real. And there comes a point where you just can't be silent anymore. So the question then becomes, how can we talk to others about the climate crisis? It's easy when you're talking to others who share your concerns. But what about all the people who just don't see what is happening to the environment as a major concern? How do you step outside your own echo chamber in a way that opens doors instead of slamming them shut? Now more than ever, this is a critical question. In the U.S., we're entering an election year. If we don't learn to talk to one another, we truly will break apart. Horse people can make a difference. I know that can sound absolutely absurd when you're talking about politics how can horse people have any influence at all and yet i know that it's true we can make a difference the horse people i know all love being outside it doesn't matter whether you ride english or western whether you have a thoroughbred a quarter horse a tennessee walker no matter what breed of horse you have or really even what kind of training you do. We love being outside. Our horses carry us beyond the paddock gate out into wild places many people never even get to see. We can make a difference by sharing our love, not only of horses, but of the land they carry us over. And in the positive reinforcement community, our horses are teaching us to focus on what we want. We're learning not to push against or direct our energy towards unwanted behavior. We can take these lessons from the horses with us as we learn how to talk about what is important to us, a healthy planet and a future for the ones we love. So last week's podcast picked up this thread and followed it forward. Manda talked about how meditation is, for her, a political act. Following that thread took us to habits. We ended with this statement. If we can be the acts of kindness, and those are part of our behavior patterns, then that surely has to begin to have an impact. We'll pick up again in part three of this conversation with a review of how we got to this statement. We'll look again at habits, what they are, and we'll look at how you build new habits. Then we'll see how this understanding of habits can be used to help people become more politically active. Remember, doing nothing is a political statement. So if that's the case, why not do something instead? Together, we can learn how to become actively engaged in support of the things we cherish. So in part three of this conversation, we'll learn how to take the first small steps in that direction.
1: This is the thing, because we are 21st century people and we live in, you know, it's, you can't change the system from within by dropping out of it. No. We just can't. And that's, it was a hard thing, and it's particularly, again, in Extinction Rebellion, people would come back and go, well, I bet you got here in a car. And you go, no, actually, I got the train, but that's not the point. <laughs> Even if I had got in a car, that's because it's the only way to get from A to B, because our public transport is so bad. But, you know, we need systemic change, and then we will be able to go from A to B in proper public transport, and we will not need the car. But it doesn't, you know, it doesn't change the physics of the climate, the fact that we got here in a car is maybe somebody passing excuse for doing nothing but that's a separate issue let's go right. back to habits though because i think there's something so interesting about i spent a lot of time in this, since the conversation with michaela and you which was so useful because a habit is just a behavior that right. has become automatic and so unpicking because i want we've got accidental gods coming down the line i want people to be able I think that if we're going to hit conscious evolution we have to be able to do the emotional work and the connecting and the inner mind work and i wanted to make it i wanted really to be able to help people to build the habit of listening to a very short visualization in the morning and really unpicking that down to its component parts and what i found a number of things so a habit is a behavior that's repeated. So then you have to look at the behavior and look at its component parts and you want to be a splitter, not a lump group. But I, what I was really looking at, because this is a habit that I want people to choose. And one of the things that we find, if you say, you know, just go and meditate, an hour a day is good. An hour a day of sitting still doing nothing is deeply punishing for most people. It's not just that they've got better things to do, it's actually a deeply unpleasant experience. And yet, if you build up to that, I'm at the point now where I am desperate to do my hour a day because it's such a rewarding thing. Because watching my own process, obviously, I'm a deeply self-obsessed person, but there's something in the process of getting to there, it has become deeply self-reinforcing so that I actively want to do it. So I really began to look because a, a, a good habit, I gather, I am told has four components. One is the trigger, which is also the environmental cues or the auditory cues or whatever the cues are. The desire, the craving that goes with it because what they found with rats was you give a rat a little bit of sugar and it gets a dopamine hit. But you don't get the habitual, actually the addictive, I need to have that until the dopamine hit comes before. So the trigger triggers the dopamine hit before the actual action that gives you the reinforcement. So you've got to have, so a good habit has that My, I'm desperate now to meditate because I'm getting my little dopamine fixes at the prospect with whatever the environmental triggers are that tell me that this is a good thing. So you need the trigger. You need the craving or the desire. You need the whatever it is that you're going to do. I'm a rat and I have to go through a maze to get my little bit of apple or I'm a person and I just want to sit Still on my cushion for five minutes, and then you get the reinforcement. And so, I was trying to think what is it, first of all, what do I want in the triggers? Because if I want someone to just wake up and do this visualization while they're still really not quite fully awake, that's an amazing time to meditate when you're still in the alpha before the kind of beta brainwaves of the day of this is what I've got to do and I'm already late and blah have come in. You can get in that alpha phase, you're already in a place where the meditation is going to help you to be calmer for longer so i wanted what kind of things could i do and what i'm experimenting with i'm going to send this out to the students when we go live and we'll find out is i am a person i have the capacity to build emotional states in myself this is part of the hebbian plasticity what wires fires together wires together so i've set up a concept which i am testing with me and faith and i want to test on a much bigger scale (laughs) which is suppose there's that sense i have i we're getting near christmas i hate christmas with a passion on every level it's a consumerist nonsense it's involves family stuff and as far as i'm concerned families are the things that you escape from the whole thing is a complete nightmare and i hate it and my basic motto is if you ignore it long enough it goes away but Deep inside is the five-year-old little girl who absolutely loves Christmas (laughs) and and the smell of Christmas trees. And and in our house, it was oranges with cloves studied in them, which has a particular scent and wrapping paper. And that whole thing evokes in me that huge dopamine hit of, oh, God, presents. And and there's something I, I was the kid who left the presents under the tree for as long as like 12 nights because it was so much more exciting thinking what they might be than discovering what they actually Actually are yeah and so i thought could we help people to evoke that and it doesn't if christmas is a bad thing which it is for some even some children you know that sense of joyful anticipation what would you need like a sense of could get a essence of pine oil or or stick some clothes in an orange or have some wrapping paper or a bit of music whatever it is that would create a trigger that would lift that emotional state and attach that to your five minutes with you. So if you approach your five minutes of visualization, oh God, this is like a Christmas present. This feels already exciting. Then you do it and then you give yourself real, genuine self-congratulation afterwards. And that's, I'm finding, people find it very, very hard to find a place in their heart mind where it's okay to tell themselves that they just did something really, really good. Hmm. It's a hard thing yeah, for most I'm of Yeah, I'm sure us.
0: it is, yes.
1: With, with, we're very good at self-judgment. We're extremely yeah. practiced at self-judgment. Those, yeah. those are of the thoughts that go around our head, the 70,000 a day and the 98% are the same. A lot of those are self-judgments. But creating the tracks, because every time we do this, we're, re, we're firing and wiring a new track of genuine self-congratulation and then go and get yourself a bit of chocolate or whatever it is that you find rewarding reinforcing right i right. think we will create and then you slight the other thing so a good habit i learn needs to be easy needs to be so so the phone with the track that we want you to listen to needs to be beside the bed in the place you can get to it without having to move it needs to be obvious as in i know why i want to do this It needs to be attainable. I need to be able to do this without any friction in the way. It needs to be desirable. So that's why we're building the Christmas morning feel. And it needs to be reinforcing. And if you've got each part of that, then you slide it into an existing habit sequence. So I can get people to do their five-minute visualization between waking up and going to brush their teeth and have a cup of coffee, say. Then you're you're kind of folding it into a sequence that must by definition be self-reinforcing because it is habitual yes so so you're you're sliding in this little tiny little extra bit into something and and i hope folding it around with emotional space this is the bit that i haven't read anywhere else so i don't know how it's going to translate into the wider world it works for me but it might not work for everybody but i think that because we have the and i want people to practice the ability to evoke an emotional state. Because I think if we're going to change the world, if we're going to change who we are, and if we're going to consciously evolve, and even if we're just going to be able to talk to our neighbors who are the other side of the political divide, if I can do that, having evoked a genuine heartfelt sense of joyful compassion and curiosity, and openness and all of the things that you get to when you're working with the horses, if I can get people to just be able to switch that on at will, and they've practiced the process of that often enough, that those particular grooves are worn deep into their kind of meshwork of of behaviors, then evoking an emotion becomes a behavior too. And it becomes one that will be self-reinforcing because self-congratulation that is real is really self-reinforcing. Christmas morning dopamine is really self reinforcing. The ability to feel heart mind opening, I find incredibly self reinforcing. And if I can help people to do that, then I think we might be on the stage, uh, on steps on the way to them being able to connect with other people in a way that then has a ripple effect. Yes. Because every act of kindness spreads. Yes. And there are so many acts of unkindness and active hate around us. But if we can be the acts of kindness and those are part of our behaviour
0: patterns, which we could call habits if we like, then that surely has to begin to make an impact. It surely does. Because then you're coming you're not coming from that injured place. Exactly. That yeah. So If you're coming, if if you're in that state where you are feeling truly feeling um, the kindness or joyful expectation or you know whatever these emotions are, that at least in that moment, in that part of your life, Mm. there is no injury.
1: Yes, yes, because it's because polyvagal theory absolutely teaches us it is impossible to feel joyful curiosity and to feel fear at the same time. Our wiring does not allow that. So if you're feeling one, you're definitely in that moment, not feeling the other. Yeah. And I think a lot of the hate, a lot of the mentalized stuff comes from a sense of disempowerment, lack of agency, and sheer unbridled terror on both sides. We're we're afraid of each other. And we need to not have that. I am deeply afraid of what's going to happen in this country, but I need not to be. I need to face this. Stop catastrophizing. And she's completely right. I need to stop catastrophizing. Yeah.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And in those those five minutes in which you are in that self-created emotional state of joy, then that is a state that if I begin a conversation from that place, yeah. it will have a good outcome. Yeah. Yeah, and I can return to that. You know, if I get knocked off
1: balance, I once I've got the habit of how to find that place, I know how to come back to it. Yes. yes. Because without doing quite a lot of meditative practice, holding our state for any length of time is hard. It's not what we do. In part, that's what meditation helps us to do, is to hold the state for a, long, a longer length of time than we normally do. But at least once we know what the feeling is, if we fall off, we can come back and, yeah. and c- continue to come back. And that's fine. And, and, and we need not to beat ourselves up about the fact that we got a cross with somebody or you know, had to go and have a cup of tea because the horses weren't doing what we wanted. But then we can come back to that place and it becomes a familiar place. And I think, I think I've watched you with horses often enough, bringing them to that point of being able to self calm and self-calming being a really reinforcing thing. Right, right. So yeah, so we need to do it for ourselves.
0: Yep, and the more we learn how to do it, the more it will generalize into other environments, the more triggers there will be for that state. We'll be able to get to it sooner, faster, stay in it longer. This is what the science tells us.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. So, and I, I have a feeling that I haven't done this yet. I'm waiting to kind of launch this on the world. We'll see how it goes. But if we could, for instance, a lot of the Buddhist meditations have what they call a mudra, where you, where you hold your fingers in a particular way. And I think that this is, I'm sure there's other stuff, but I think it is partly, it's a physical trigger, Okay. If I'm holding my fingers like this, my mind is in a particular state. Yeah. So I'm going to try adding that in later on. I don't want to confuse people. And I've got quite a long, this is your workbook, work your way through it. <laughs> um, and I don't want to add extra stuff in. But I think, you know, if we can get to the, okay, if I do that with my fingers, you know, I just, I don't know, whatever it is that, that happens just before I access this state, then I'll have a physical way of helping.
0: Well, then you start, you use the new Q, old Exactly. process.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. So we'll <laughs> yes. do that later. In later. Three later. Later. For,
0: yes. First, you you know, you'll get the, the behavior really solid. You'll get a clean loop. Yep. exactly. Get a really solid, clean behavior. And then we can attach uh, through the new cue, old cue process. We can attach a new cue to it, which becomes an anchor that you can carry with you anywhere. Exactly. Yeah. It's so yeah. interesting.
1: Yeah. It's all stuff you taught me. Um, so we're just going to see, does it work? Does it work? Does it work? I don't know how small to make the pieces because this, the visualization thing is, you know, it's five minutes, whatever. It's got a chime at the beginning and a chime at the end. So back change. The first thing you do the first morning is you just listen to that chime. But I wondered, did I need to make a morning where you just reach out and put your earphones in? And the next time you reach out, put your earphones in and press your phone but don't have to switch it on. And the next morning you press your phone and you get the chime and then you get two times a little gap, and then slightly long. I didn't know how far to chunk it down because if you were going to do this for the dog or a horse, you'd chunk it right down. But I have a feeling that people are going to want to, you know, I want to listen to the visualization already. Don't make me yes. take 10 days to get there. Um, so we'll see. Uh, people can practice. I'm going to offer you know, if you really want to do this slowly, you can. And if you don't, you know, that's fine too.
0: Because I, I think you're going to find that you want both, that, you may need to have people jump in and experience, oh, this is five minutes, this, this is lovely, I enjoyed this. But now, if I want to form the habit of it, yeah. then this is what I need to do to get to that place where I'm doing the five minutes every day. But if I said, oh, and tomorrow I'll do it for five minutes, no, it's not going to happen. But somebody else will be completely different. Somebody, el- somebody else else. Will just think, oh, all of these, these tiny little steps are for the birds. Sort of like with the horses. I just want to ride. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, just, yeah. just give me, just give me the meditations, and I'm gonna do it. You know, I just want to ride, and that's great. Um,
1: yeah. So they'll be there. If that's what people want to do, that's fine. But if you want to go through this process, because I
0: think you only need to do the how to
1: build habits once. Once you've got a habit, you can yes. add in other habits. Yes. So it becomes faster after the first go.
0: And once you understand how to do something like this deliberately, then you can apply it to any aspect of your life. Yes. When you say, this is something that I want to change so that my life, isn't, it will be enriched in this particular way. And now I have a process that lets me shift from my old patterns to this new pattern that I'm wanting. Yes. That's very exciting.
1: I hope so, yeah. And then yeah, and, and that the interesting thing then will be getting feedback from people of what kinds of things do they want to do with the technology essentially that we're giving them the yeah. psycho technology of now you can do anything. That's you right. You want to go running every right. morning, then you know that's fine. But you don't start off running for twenty minutes, you start off putting your shoes by the bed. That's McKenna said.
0: That's right. And what are the things that we can do in terms of making a real difference that this technology, this this ability to develop shifts in our behavior, to develop habits. What are some of the things that we can identify that will make us, um, so for example, this is uh, an election year coming up in, in the United States and it will, for the, for the rest of the year, that's what's going to be sitting in our news cycle. Well, suppose you decide that you'd like to be, that you'd like to support one of the candidates. Doesn't matter for the sake for this conversation, which candidate it is. But you've decided, right? You're you want to be politically active, and you know that one of the ways in which you can be politically active is to man, uh, to be one of the people manning a phone bank. Yep. But the idea of making those phone calls is very uncomfortable for you right now because it's an unknown. Yeah. So how could you uh, use what you've learned about building habits to get yourself to that place where you are now making those phone calls?
1: That's a really interesting question. So I suppose I would probably start with the emotional state that I was in, because uncertainty and fear are not going to help me to build a habit that is self-reinforcing. Right. So the first thing I would do would be to spend some time working out within myself, how do I build, let's say, joyful curiosity? Because that sense of, gosh, the whole world is amazing and magical, and the next thing that happens is amazing and magical too, is a sense that I could carry into a strange place, that I've never been. Um, I, but I think also you could add a lot of stuff. So the first thing, long before I got to phone banking, I would go along and meet some of the people who were going to be helping with this and start building human relationships because human relationships yes. are the glue that brings all of this together. And if I can make a couple of friends and then go with someone who's familiar with the process, yes. the, then the threshold for, for action becomes much, much, much lower. Um, So having a buddy, that was, you know, again, in in the Extinction Rebellion, everybody had to have a buddy and you'd go nowhere unless your buddy is there with you. Um, So that you've got, partly if you get arrested, someone can go and tell everybody else, but also partly so that you just, you know, if you're getting anxious, there's somebody there who's objective going, look, I think you just need to step back off the line for a bit. Let's just go and have a cup of tea and come back. And, And they, you would do the same for them. So finding friends and making the friends First, away from the scary thing, which is the fun bank. Apologies for the cat and the distance. Um, I I would do that long before I did the really scary stuff. Fun banking could potentially be really fun, but once you've done it, it's it's effortless and it's fun because you're in a room with 20 other people, and yeah, somebody brings you pizza and tea, and it's fine. And you tend to be talking to people who want to talk to you. I find having done it, but. Um, so, so yeah, make the threshold as low as possible and make your own emotional state one that you enjoy. But also, I, I think there's an interesting thing. And one of the things I haven't tested yet is supposing I am quite comfortable with creating a sense of joyful curiosity. What happens if I poison that by rushing off and doing some phone banking and having a really bad experience because... It was in a scary place, and somebody shouted at me and, and hung up on me, and, and the people around me were not people I knew, and I felt really alienated. Will I then have changed my emotional perception of that emotional state? Interesting. And I don't know the answer to that. And I don't, I would you know, want it to be a really solid emotional state and really well generalized before I took it into a potentially frightening situation because Definitely. I want that to be solid.
0: Yes. I don't, I don't know
1: the answer to that one. I haven't tested it yet.
0: Yeah, because we certainly know the power of one trial learning.
1: Yeah. And particularly bad things stay, you know, we're, we are hardwired that if we have a bad social situation, we're going to avoid that. It's, you know, we're tribal beings, it's, it's, it's going to go in deep and hard. So I don't know, actually. This is why making friends first. So that
0: it yes, yes, It's probably really. Yes, important. yeah, and that's. I think that's part of the original question of what is it. It goes. It goes back to uh, the conversations around errorless learning. What are the components that I need to put in place? What's the repertoire that I need to have? What are the skills that I need to have for this to be a successful experience?
1: Yeah.
0: Yes. 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 And for something that where you're stepping into a great unknown, which if you've if you've not done anything where you're you've been politically active, you know you've gone to vote, uh, and maybe you've sent a contribution in to a candidate, but you haven't done any canvassing from door to door. You haven't worked locally to help get local town clerk or town councilman elected, that kind of thing. This is all a great unknown void. I think one of the things that and maybe this is something where it'd be really good to find some people who have been organizers for candidates yeah. to come and talk to us and say, well, these are some of the these are some of the jobs that we that volunteers do. And these are some of the skills that are needed. And I know how to stuff an envelope. I could do that. Yeah, you know? exactly. So that you begin to accumulate the, the necessary skills, the repertoire, and you can say, well, I could, I could stuff envelopes at the local uh, campaign office, And then maybe the next step will arrive and the next step will will appear until all of a sudden I'm really out there being quite bold and daring and politically active for things that I believe deeply in and where the change is needed and where we need people to be not pushing against, because that's the problem right now with politics in general we're all so busy saying what the other person's doing wrong and how much we don't like the other person and then we get into the george Lakoff work of don't think of an elephant you know the more i the more i push against what you're telling me what i you know the more i push against what i don't like about your beliefs the stronger i make those beliefs and so it's learning how can i really look at what is it that i want that's the horse training part what is it that i want and let me go out and talk about that let me talk about what i want from a place of joyful curiosity let me talk about that and that's where there's power for change not pushing and then against it's authentic.
1: and authenticity is yes people are very very good bullshit detectors but if we are completely authentic and i am just being myself in my skin and i'm connecting with you as another human being yes. then we can begin to step beyond the tribalism and we can just connect and then the listening skills that we have with listening with the horses of what does my horse want what is it where is it in this space and how do i then how does this dance flow then I can bring that into the arena. And and most people, people are decent. The tribalization is something that's been imposed from the outside. And we just need to be able to step back from the triggers and acknowledge that they're there and let them go together and then come together and find what commonality we have.
0: Because as soon as we find the commonalities, all of a sudden you're not that other tribe. You're part of my tribe. Yes you know, oh, you like horses too. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, this is great. And we're, we're both interested in regenerative pasture maintenance because you've got a Cushing's horse and 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 my horses are getting up there in years. And you may have voted completely differently from the way that I voted in the past, but all of a sudden yeah. we're talking together. And as we talk together that, ability now to have a real conversation and maybe to have it to, to make that discovery of well we really both do want the same thing which is a livable planet
1: yeah 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 and clean water for our kids and air that isn't going to kill us and yeah. the things that everybody actually wants yeah. um, and we just you know what we're arguing about is how to get there and and, and what the time scale is and, and those are the key thing is what we want and how is it possible to get there.
0: And how is it possible to get there? I think if we could unleash the creativity of humanity,
1: it's not beyond us to find solutions. It's that we tend to get locked into what we think is possible. We have to let go of what we think is possible and allow what is possible to come to us.
0: Yeah. Because when you hear the statistics of, what is it, if the, if 40% of the current arable land were farmed in a regenerative way we could return to pre-industrial carbon levels in 10 years in 10 years yeah yeah
1: yeah now You think, but, that's a no-brainer why are we not doing that yeah um and i've had some people in britain push back on that and say it doesn't work as well in britain because we don't have the very cold winters we don't get the die back and i think well let's do some research it's not rocket science we have peat bogs, therefore it is possible to build the soil. Um, you know, it, it happened. Let's just—we can work out how. It's it, all it takes is a bit of—you know—somebody actually wanting this to happen. Yes. So yes. Yeah. I, I think uh, you know Monsanto would go out of business, but I, you know, I th- bet we could find other jobs for the guys who work for Monsanto.
0: I—I think we could. We definitely could. Keep
1: sending children up chimneys because otherwise there's no jobs for anything. You know, I'm sure we can find other things for kids to do. That's fine
0: yes um so yeah 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 we to a large extent we have the answers we do have the answers we just now need the will to implement the answers and to see that all of this really is possible and so we are the seeds for change that's the that's the power again of the horses is that as we Begin to use the equi central type systems where so that our horses are no longer turning our fields into mudlots, but we are really learning how to have a more biodiverse pasture for our horses. And we see the land regenerating and we are reminded of how beautiful the land is. And we remember how much we care for it and why we care for it. Then these changes become they become within our our grasp they become reachable yeah definitely and and
1: we start being enthusiastic advocates to people who don't have any horses yes and we can begin to just speak because because I, i keep going back to there are an awful lot of us if we all decided that the system was broken and we needed to fix it we could fix it tomorrow it's just getting that will together. It's getting enough yep. people to, to care. And, and that just is about letting them understand that, or helping them to move to a place where it matters to them as much as it matters to us. Yes. Which is yes. hard. We just completely failed with that in the <laughs> existing election because what mattered to people was Brexit. And, and that was a really difficult conversation to get past and two minutes on a doorstep. But it isn't impossible in the long term. It's, it's getting to them when it's not an election and you've just got two minutes on their doorstep. And that's right. only gonna happen, you know, that's gonna happen if you talk to 10 of your friends and they talk to 10 of their friends, that exponential spread means it will happen.
0: And realizing that it may happen because of what we do on an individual basis and where we're not depending upon some other, as in the government, Yes. or some corporation to fix it for us.
1: Yes, yes. Gone long beyond that. They were gonna do it, they'd have done it by
0: now. Right. Really. So we get we have to lead the the way that we start looking at those places where we can make a difference. And as horse owners, we can make a difference. We absolutely can make a difference. We can make a difference every day in some of the choices that we make and... I've got a phone call which I probably need to take. Okay, um, we we'll probably reached the end of our time then, because I. Yes. The oh no, I don't have to take it. Um, I'll take it later.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> so, I think we've done a we've we've covered a lot of ground. Um, it's certainly, you know, I'm 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 just thinking about like, every now and then as as we're going through. I think how different this is from the equiocity it really is and (laughs) And this is your activist side getting to come out yes to actually be be saying this and not just thinking it but to really begin to put it out there as this is important we're going to talk about it we're going to talk openly about it yeah and it is
1: quite taboo isn't it and and yet if we don't talk about it, nothing will
0: happen so i've I've always thought this was it's I, I think of it as the last closet
1: yeah
0: yeah, yeah. you know that this um, being able to say that what I love is the planet yeah. what I love are animals and plants and the biosphere and that that is. Uh, what is important? It seems like it's uh been one of those things where you just you're you don't talk about it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, because well, it's been
0: politicized, you know. It, it's you're a tree hugger. If you know, oh, she's one of those tree huggers, you know, and um, yeah, yeah. So it's time totally your all- business
1: depends on you developing personal relationships with diverse groups of people around the country you don't want to offend them. Right. It's, it's, you've got to be able to get on with everybody. And, and therefore, politi- it's the old, what they used to call in Britain Balmoral Rules, which is the, the Queen's country house and And it was no sex, politics, or religion. Yeah, You can talk about anything else, but not that. And, and you know, it affects all of us. And, and, and I don't care, I'm not particularly interested in talking about sex and religion, but I think now, for me, living is political. And, and we yes. said this at the beginning. It is, and doing
0: nothing is a political act,
1: no. and therefore you're already being political. So let's just talk about it. That's
0: right. That's right. And so I think in for future conversations, one of the places that we need to go is into the crucial conversations. Um, you know, how do you begin? How do you have? A, because the climate change is the crucial conversation. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's such a hot button topic. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and I still I don't know. You know, on the doorstep, I was coming up. You know, Labour's got this amazing Green New Deal, and people like Brexit. It's like, yeah, but don't you care about the climate? Well, we worry about that once we sort of Brexit. It's like there is no trade on dead planet. And they're going, yeah, but Brexit. It's like I had no way. You know, you've got maybe thirty seconds before they get bored, and, and some people want to talk for a bit longer, but most of them don't, and. I had, I didn't know, you know, other than okay. So tell me, what matters to you, Brexit? Like, okay, which, uh, and the whole thing is a fantasy. It's like we just want to get it done. Like, and you can't have the conversation that says you do realize that it's going to take twenty or thirty years, don't you? Because they don't, because they've been told we'll do it by right. December. But, and I, I didn't find how to with most of the people who are low information, very time poor, very financially poor you know, stressed out people who are worrying about how to pay the rent. I I hadn't found her to have that conversation on the doorstep. That's why I think doing, having the conversation. So my sister-in-law is a great, you know, they are now, she runs a decorating business. She was here painting the walls and we were just talking about the deep adaptation paper. And now they've changed their decorating business to be eco paints only. They want to come and live near wherever we are and actually start farming. And they're changing their entire lifestyle. Wow. And their children and their immediate neighbors. And I think this is how we do it, is you have the conversations with the kind of key people who then become radicalized, basically, and go off and have conversations with other people because the door-stepping does working.
0: And then when it becomes the norm within that group, then you want to join the norm.
1: Yes, and and the Extinction Rebellion thinks that if you get 3.5% of any population, it becomes the norm. I am not so sure about that because I think what we're trying to do is actual systemic change. And they're talking about, so slavery, the anti-apartheid movement, the gay rights movements, the trans movements, the women getting the vote. None of these were changing the system. They were changing who the system was allowed to reach yes and that's a different thing and i think we probably need more than three and a half percent but three and a half percent is a good starting point. Three and a half percent is nothing if there's you know a hundred thousand people in your town that's three and a half thousand people that's not very many actually if if you're doing you know if you talk to three of your friends and they talk to three of their friends exponential growth gets you to three and a half thousand
0: plus. and then you're you're not trying to change everybody so you're not saying i have to reach all hundred thousand of those no, people no. i just have to reach out to Fine. the people i intersect with yeah so you and, reach
1: out and then anne reaches out to her husband and her son and then they reach out to three people yep. each. and you know within a month you've reached you know you've reached critical mass in your town if the people if you talk to anne and anne really gets it and she talks to her husband and her son and they really get it And they talk to two other people each and they really get it. Exponential growth is a, you know, it's, it's a very fast curve. So it's about, it's about quality of conversation with the people who trust you enough to listen.
0: Okay. So that opens another conversation we need to have, which is what is it that we, what is the really important information that needs to be shared? So when we're having that crucial conversation, who do you, especially when you want to experience early success, because that's reinforcing.
1: Yeah, what's the, what's the low hanging
0: fruit? What's the low hanging fruit? Because it's not very reinforcing to go knocking on doors and having no, a feeling so. as though you've made no difference. It's not reinforcing. No. So what's the low hanging fruit? Who do you talk to? And what is it that you say that can make a difference? Yeah. And how do you say it? Yeah. That's where that really being able to to enter into a place of of um, joyful curiosity, because that's a state in which you can influence other people. But so is authenticity.
1: And if so, if so, I would don't, wouldn't have said we were joyfully curious with Esther. What we were was. We are so afraid of what's happening. And okay. we are afraid because this, this, and this, particularly, you know, the deep adaptation paper, I think is one of those things that if somebody, I don't know anyone who's read it, who hasn't become radicalized overnight, but it's big and it's hard. And, and, they, and, and it's a difficult thing. And I got to the point of saying to some of my students that, you know, I'm not sure that you need to read that yet. We'll give you the gist because it's hard and, and, and it's, you know, it's emotionally, it, it, it can be quite punishing just to have that level of information and to realize, you know, we probably have between five and ten years left. And if you're 22, that's not a happy, it's not a happy thought when you're 57. It's really yeah. not great when you're 22. So, um, so we need to think of ways that are, but even so, the, we are just really scared because the, this is the best understanding we have of the science. And this is the likely social implications, unless something radical happens. is a very powerful conversation. If you are talking to someone who, where you've got the length of time to have feedback, so we Esther was here for three days, and we were just talking. We weren't deliberately trying to radicalise it. We were just talking. And by the end of the three days, she was right. I'm coming to London with you. And then she went home, and her whole life is different. Um, And. And that, in, I, I've watched that happening with other people, but it's a, how do we open the conversation? And I am really scared and I am making these changes in my life because I am this scared. Um, and yet I believe that making the changes is worth it because there is still hope. I think the the problem with deep adaptation is it doesn't hold out a lot of hope and and giving people no agency, and no hope. When That's just me, paralyzing. It isn't good. No, yeah. exactly. no. We, you know, we may be, it may be false hope, but I'm prepared to go with some hope. Because right. what else? You know, it doesn't turn out, it doesn't turn out, but at least we're trying. So um, I think that combination of you have got agency and it really matters. And, and we are then in this together. I think the togetherness, this whole, that sense of community. Is huge, and that's yeah. it, with us. That's where XR is so good because there's XR pretty much in every town in Britain now. So you'll have a local group of people who are, in, in very well informed, and joyfully happy to engage in action. Um, and then it's very supportive.
0: And I would say it's basically non-existent over here.
1: No, there's there's two or three big groups. I've seen them. There's one in two, two or three in the yeah, exactly. country. Yes, I know exactly. But it's not <laughs> non-existent. It's just right. small. yes, yes. But you could start. You know, I, and what we found because our little local town this is this is a really deep Tory area. But and, and Bishop's Castle is tiny. But a hundred people turned up to our first meeting. Wow. Yeah, we we had to suddenly move to a new. We were expecting twenty. So, whoa! Where did all these people come from? Because so they were desperate to do something, and and now they've got something that they can do. Yeah. yeah. So, so you just tap into. There will be people who are desperate to do something.
0: Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. We're we're everywhere now. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, this conversation will keep going. Yes. And uh, it, we will, I dare say, be having this extensions of this conversation many times. All it takes is a couple people listening to start the ripples. Yes,
1: exactly.
0: Amanda has given us all so much to think about. Here in the US, we're at the beginning of an election year. We all have choices to make. Do we tune it all out and pretend it isn't happening? Do we pay attention, but stay on the sidelines? Or do we find ways to become involved? Remember, doing nothing is a political statement, not speaking out, not voting has consequences. I am not advocating here for one particular candidate or even one party over another. What I want is for us to talk to one another before we tear ourselves apart. The planet needs us to learn how to have crucial conversations around the climate change crisis. Please share these podcasts. Let your friends know about them so we can practice together and send ripples out that truly do make a difference. Remember also to visit Manda's new website, AccidentalGods.life. There you'll get to experience directly the unfolding of the ideas we're discussing in these podcasts. Enjoy, and next time we'll begin a new conversation.